Good morning to you. What I'd like from you in the next couple of hours is to consider a message that you'd like to send to our intergalactic friends. Now, all Australians have been invited to pen a little SMS message, no longer than 160 characters, you know, Twitter-like, which will be uh, transmitted to Gleese581D, apparently a planet that's 20 light-years away. Um, the planet is considered the closest to Earth capable of supporting intelligent life. Now, I want you to think quickly. You've got two hours to send us the SMS, one double nine double two seven twenty. What message do you want alien life forms to receive from you? thing is, it'll take 20 years to get there, so don't say, you know, I want the Dockers to win or lose on the weekend because it'll be lost in the translation over those light years. One double nine double two seven twenty. Let's hear from you. Which message would you like to send into space? I've sent a few here that say, "Dear alien, can I add you to Facebook?" Uh, this. Feel free to stop by for a visit, and uh, rest assured, uh, we want you to bypass all government agencies for an enjoyable time. This. I. Uh, I look up at the massive signs and stars in the night sky and lay myself open for the first time to the benign indifference of the universe. So you can be philosophical if you want, or just plain silly. One double nine double two seven twenty. Bernard Salt, good morning to you. Hi, Jeff. You know that my first question now, without <laughs> much notice, is what message would you like to send to the aliens? Well, I, I find this always found this an interesting subject um, because I think for um, for I don't know thirty years we've been sending messages out into uh, into space. Um, I, I suppose the presumption there is that um, people will welcome a hello, a cheery hello from Earth. Yeah, a little um, knock on the window and a wave. Go, Hi, how are you? We're here. <laughs> Pop by. Uh, maybe they're not uh, that friendly. Maybe whoever is out there thinks, oh, they're, uh, they're nice people. Then, maybe your, or message, destroy or then maybe your message should be one uh, where you say, spare me, but please take, take all the others. Take everyone else. Take it. That's right. Yes. Um, it was interesting. The science minister, Kim Carr, got the privilege of writing the first message, and it said, hello from Australia on the planet we call Earth. Already a bit daggy, <laughs> written by his press secretary, I reckon. These messages express our people's dreams for the future. We want to share those dreams with you. Do we really want to? Well, look, I don't know. I, I, do, they, do they think like us? Do they, uh, do they have reasoned thought like us? Uh, are they peaceable people like us? Are we peaceable people? I don't know. Um, now, the transmission is going to be sent from the Deep Space Communication Complex at Tidbinbilla to mark the start of National Science Week. And you can go online to formally do this. But quite frankly, I'm not going to tell you that address because I don't have it. I want you to go through us, one double nine double two seven twenty. What is your message to the wider universe? Now, Bernard, what, 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 what would be the media response if there was an answer of any sort? What, what would it do? It would stop the planet, surely. Yes. It would stop the planet. We'd try and send other messages <laughs> saying, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I don't know. Look, it's going to take a long time mm. to get there. Probably quite a long time to come years. back. That's right. Um, we want to talk today about how our generation of youngsters might be feeling during these difficult global times. And, and I know you've observed, uh, and we, we understand, that for those who went through the Great Depression, uh, the events of those times really did shape mm. the generation. What's it going to do to this one? Well, I'd, I think that uh, most certainly the current downturn, I don't think we're allowed to call it a recession, are we? 
the current downturn. We're calling it a glitch in too much. A glitch, whatever it is. Um, uh, I think that it will shape values. Uh, I think it's already having an impact on Generation Y. Uh, Generation Y, people in their 20s and uh, teenage years, um, have been raised in a particularly um, unique time in history. They're under 30 at the moment. Uh, They've never known an era of double-digit unemployment never known uh, interest rates at 18%. They think the world is rich and happy and prosperous all the time. Mm. And it led to a certain confidence, uh, certainly in the workplace, that management found, maybe boomer managers found a little bit, uh, a little grating, if you like. There's Uh, a bit of a cheeky bugger line going on there, wasn't there? That's right. But look, you can't can't really blame them. You know, the circumstances uh, and the skill shortage they could uh, call the tune. And they didn't want to work the way we and our parents worked, the notion that you may well have, you start life at the bank and the railways and you get a gold watch upon retirement. No. This is a generation that's been told that they'll have a whole range of different jobs. Well, that's, that's true. And the idea that you uh, make a commitment to an employer... Um, well, you know, you, you can't think outside the square. Um, the way forward is to actually uh, move from uh, place to place, to cross-fertilise. Uh, and in fact, it, moving from place to place gives you the opportunity to, um, uh, to uh, get rid of baggage and to pick up experiences and relationships. It's seen as a very positive trait, if you like. Uh, but the problem is that long comes a downturn and all of those people that followed that philosophy of flitting from job to job and, uh, and so forth uh, have not fared well during the downturn. In fact, they're the first ones out in many respects. So I think the first lesson that Generation Y is learning is that actually there is something to be said about commitment commitment to the workplace. I can now see the value because when things turn nasty, then um, our, my job is is more secure. Mm. So you could find Generation Y coming through this downturn um, changed as a consequence. All of a sudden, their, uh, their attitude shifts and they can see value and commitment to the workplace, perhaps even to relationships. We might see Gen Y morphing into the next lot of uh, people who want mortgages and superannuation and insurance. Yeah. In fact, just growing up. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's hear from you. You might represent Generation Y. We might be talking about you, or you might be the parents of Generation Y, and we'd be keen to know whether you reckon that, that those under the age of 30 who you know might indeed be learning some lessons, or are they, are they as feckless as they ever were? And we also want to talk about what happened during the Depression years and the impact that had on a generation of people. And demographically, many of our listeners will be very well aware of that scenario too. How did that time change you? one three hundred triple two seven twenty. I know my, my dad was one of many kids uh, brought up during the Depression and he's now an 86-year-old man and that, and that has stuck with him. Oh, you, you speak to anyone over the age of 80 and they will recall with extraordinary clarity their childhood during the Great Depression and their values were shaped by that experience. Mm. They see a positive attribute in sacrifice, going without. I did this, I did that, I wouldn't go on you the call dole. You the frugals, don't The frugals, you? that's right. And uh, very proud of their frugality, even 50, 60 years later. Uh, never comfortable with debt, never great consumers um, as a consequence. And so really that entire generation for 60 years, 70 years later, um, have been marked by, shaped by that Great Depression. So why would not a lesser economic impact, yeah. the, the downturn, the recession we've got at the moment, okay, it may not 
shaped them for the next 60 years, but it's got to have an impact mm. on uh, Generation Y, Generation X uh, throughout the next decade. And say, so, well, consumer spending and the whole of society could well be shaped, marked, if you like, by the experience of what people went through between 2009 and, say, 2010, 2011. So the, um, the, the confidence uh, that we had over the last decade might be a little more reserved going forward. If you have total confidence in the future, because you've never known bad yeah. times, you can live in a sliver of time called the present. Yeah. Max out your credit card. Don't worry about that. Because Got no context. Because tomorrow is always better. There's always a better job. And if you don't like your job, that's fine. Toss it in. Head off to London for six months. If that doesn't work out, you come back and live with mum and dad. But the London option doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And actually, you know, staying at home with mum and dad up to about 25, 26 might be a bit cool, a bit edgy. And <laughs> it's staying not at home with cool mum and, and edgy. <laughs> staying at home with mum and dad at 28, 29 or 30 is, is just a bit daggy. It's not cool and edgy. Uh, 1300 222 We'd like you to be part of this discussion. How do you think a generation under the age of 30 is going to deal with these difficult times? And if you've been there before... Uh, what are the, some of the lessons that might be learned? It's interesting, Bernard. We are all the time, uh, and I'm not trying to sound righteous here, but trying to build these bridges between these generations because uh, I'm not sure they know a hell of a lot about each other. They remain quite suspicious of one another. I suppose it's always been thus. Well, but it has ever been thus, I suppose. If you go back to the late 1960s, baby boomers as teenagers were long-haired layabouts yeah. who would never fight for their country. That was the criticism of what was known as the establishment, middle-aged people of these hairy, hippie baby boomers in the late 1960s. Interestingly, by the middle of the 1980s, uh, these baby boomers as 30-somethings had morphed into mini-me capitalists, yeah. disciples of Gordon Gecko. Yeah, I, see, I, I can't, honestly, I know some people will be upset by this, but I can't actually see a distinction really between those people and these kind of Generation Y who we sneer at. Well, look, look maybe it's a, maybe it's a, um, a feature of, uh, of society that middle-aged people look back in remorse or regret <laughs> say, you know, it's, maybe it's, it's, it's a part of, in the middle age process that you look back and pontificate about uh, about youth, lecture youth. And of course, it is the role of youth to uh, completely ignore... Tell them to get stuffed. Warren is our first caller. In a moment, I'm going to start reading some of your messages to our alien friends. Warren, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are we all? Very well. What have you got to contribute, Warren? Well, I don't think they've learned anything. They, they won't learn anything unless things get a lot tougher. Um, I've got two teenage working kids and they haven't lost their jobs and they've got their $900 crud money and they think life's still rosy. They're, they haven't learned anything until, it's gonna get, until it gets a lot tougher. There's one thing that I've, uh, I've noticed about Gen Y is that um, the, the GFC must impact them or their direct circle. And unless, unless uh, they experience it themselves... There's almost like a denial. And I will say that and I travel around corporate Australia quite a lot. And my observation is that uh, Generation Y has never seen corporate blood before. They've never seen mass sackings. And those that have survived that, they say, well, I didn't know that could happen. I didn't know you could get sacked. Mm, mm. Yes, you can. And so um, they respond to that uh, very, very, uh, very significantly. But if you aren't touched by the downturn, if your job is not under threat, 
then you can see that generation just motoring along without any a, a care in the world. Mm. Have we been unkind to Generation Y? Because we certainly like to depict Generation Y a certain way uh, as a generation who has all these things that appear to have them to have come easily to them, and we make an assumption that they appear not to have earned to any of it. Well, look, there are certainly a very different generation, um, and you can look at a number of metrics to see that they are very different to preceding generations, and in many respects, um, a lot of quite admirable qualities. They're highly educated, uh, they're global in their thinking, they travel, they don't make commitments early, so they have uh, a broader experience base, if you like. Extraordinary confidence. They're often single kids in a family. And so if you're a single kid, you're used to dealing one-on-one -on -one with a figure of authority. You yeah. deal as a five-year-old with mum and dad. There ain't no one in between you and your parent. And you take that ease, that confidence in with authority into the workplace, and then you've got stuffy old baby boomers saying, "Oh, that's that's you know, a little." They're being a little, uh, you know. Haven't they become the people that we wanted them to be? Well, the problem with Generation Y is not with our own gifted Generation Y children. Yeah. The problem is with other people's Gen Y kids. That's the issue. Okay, one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Let's get your observations on this. I'm going to read out some. Uh, well, firstly, some observations on what we're talking about. Uh, Laurie says, I think the family safety net has saved generations X and Y most of the lasting lesson. The time frame is also too short. Um, do you think that Generation Y has enjoyed that option, that, that oh. if the going gets tough, you just knock on your own bedroom door and sneak back under the doona? There's, there's always the mum and dad option. That option did not exist for baby boomers um, 30 years ago. And of their own doing, they were out of home at 18, 19 or yeah. 20 Largely, I think, because, uh, look, if you wanted to sleep with your girlfriend at 18, 19 or 20, it was never going to happen in the family home. Yes. Uh, so it was a lust-driven imperative that propelled baby boomers out, whereas today, baby boomers as parents are quite relaxed about that. Now, if you've got an 18, 19 or 20-year-old son or daughter, of course, you know, you bring your parent, your um, uh, your partner uh, into the bedroom. Overnight. Yeah, I'm not, that, I'm not quite at that stage yet, and I'm not that <laughs> relaxed about it yet. Um, and Mark says, Generation Y were born with a silver a spoon in their mouth, they make lousy employees because they've never done it tough. Now, that is that is kind of your standard yeah. line, but clearly Mark reckons he's seen evidence of it. Well, look, uh, and, and certainly that is a common observation. Um, it, it's, it's a factual con uh, observation. And I suppose my point is, well, no, they've never done it tough, but at least um, there is a you know, a fair, a fair degree of uh, difficulty out there at the moment. So they will. And they will do it. And in many respects, um, the lesson they learn, if Gen Y learn the lesson this year, and the lesson is sometimes in life, Gen Y, the right thing to do is not to cut and run and take the London option, which is what you've done in the last 10 years. Put your years, head down and your bum is up. Is put your head down, put your bum up, learn the lesson and work through something that's really tough, really difficult, and actually you'll find that a very maturing and growing and developing experience. Sounds like a lecture from a middle-aged old person. It may well be, that, but it is. But that's the. That's, it's a good lecture, and I can, I, can hear, I can hear people nodding their heads. One through hundred, triple two, seven twenty. Wayne, hello to you. Yeah, g'day, Jeff and your guest. Um, I, I was born in 61, and uh, I'm from what I class as a sandwich generation. Uh, I'm just nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous, Wayne. Yeah. Um, but in, I did a trade in the 70s, and at the end of that, we are brought up with the ideals that um, work would last and you know, you'd be looked after by the company, that kind of thing. <clears throat> but then as we went into the uh, 80s and early 90s, 
um, establishments and government decided that um, they wanted to change uh, the way things were going to be. And basically, um, they preferred uh, contract labour. Uh, I seen them get rid of old guys and just say, you're not sort of going to fit in anymore. And I openly encouraged uh, my daughters, who I had young, to be like Generation X and Y, because mm. um, the commitment was not there from governments or business. And I, it's, it's been good for me. I've done well at it all the time. Mm. But um, I think I can understand where they're coming from. Well, look, I think that I think it is a fair observation that certainly during the 1990s, the um, the, mm. re, the recession of the early 1990s, introduced the, the you know, economic rationalism and middle management mm. uh, lost their jobs. And I suppose that gave the rationale for an entire generation to say, well, if the corporation is not going to be loyal to me, then I'm not going to be loyal to the, uh, to the mm. corporation. Mm. Uh, and that works particularly well during a time when the labour market is tightening. Um, it doesn't work that well when, uh, when there is a recession on. Mm. And I suppose the, the issue is that you need to be flexible. You need to read the, uh, the signals, and there's a fairly powerful set of signals uh, mm. coming uh, our way over the last 12 months. How are your kids going, Wayne? They're both doing well, you know. One's uni-educated. I mean, they're well-balanced kids. And, um, I mean, I'm living a pretty good lifestyle, you know. I'm what I would class uh, in, the, in the middle of everything, you know. I'm, I'm doing okay. But um, I think education is a secret. But um, it's, it's, it, I just see this disappointment sometimes, and I can understand where they're gone, you know what I mean? And hence, you don't get, it's hard to find good quality tradesmen because, and other, excuse me, other skills, because these kids have that attitude, but at the same time, you know, I'm trying to teach guys you know, to do the job properly, but at the same time I say, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, man, you know? Yeah. Just on that issue of um, trades, um, was Bob Hawke in 1988 that said we were going to become the clever country. Mm. And every baby boomer parent in their late 30s, 40s thought, no, that's the way we're going. My kid, my Gen Y kid, mm. is going to um, get an office job and sit behind a computer screen because we're going to be the smart country. Yeah. And we moved away from technical skills during the 1990s. The problem was, uh, in the early years of this decade, we realised all of a sudden, that even clever countries need tradesmen, need mm. plumbers, electricians, mm. mechanics and so forth. Uh, so, uh, again, I think that was, uh, that was sort of an ideological shift by the baby boomers that had an impact on, on Gen Y. Wayne, thank you for your call. Linda, hello. Oh, hi. Is that you, Jeff? Yes, it is, Linda. Oh, look, I'm just ringing in. I feel I need to, to defend our teenagers and young adults. Please do, Linda. Um, I've got a couple of points. Firstly, the observation I have looking at uh, the young um, adults and teenagers of my children's age is that many of them are extremely hard workers and unfortunately the image we tend to see of that age group is either in the paper, in the media, in trouble or I suppose the ones that appear preoccupied with the most superficial, the type of celebrity um, world that uh, we're bombarded with. So that's one thing I'd say. And the other thing I'd say, which upsets me a bit, is when I hear a sort of a sense of payback mm. towards this generation. If they have um, consumed perhaps excessively um, or if they're living a lifestyle that some people consider a bit hedonistic, I think it's because that's what they've been urged to do. More than urged to do, they have been bombarded with the advertising to do and with the credit to do. So in their defence... No, I'm applauding, anyone... Linda. I, I, I reckon you're right on the money. What do you think, Ben? Uh, yes, look, I, I, I do think um, that that is certainly the case. Um, 
uh, credit cards and mobile phone debt, for example, are things that Gen Y have to contend with that preceding generations did not have to contend yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, so um, yes, there is a there is certainly a case to be made and, by Generation and Y. And isn't there isn't there a test that that the genera the, the parents of Generation X and Y um, should should consider when you say, okay, if you were that age, would you not also like to have access to that 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 and that? Uh, and given the, that so many of the parents these days are trying to look like their children anyway. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think there is a righteousness from the parental generation that is a bit hard to accept. I can maybe accept it from a generation before or a generation yes. before that knows, knows depression and knows war mm. and looks at it all and goes, my God, what is this? Yes, look, I, look, I, think, I think the tension has emerged over the last 10 years, uh, particularly as the, uh, the skill shortage, the labour market tightened so much. And there is no doubt that Generation Y did have the upper hand in the, uh, in the workplace. And uh, the stories of, um, of Gen Y um, entering the workplace and uh, not really wanting to pay their dues, mm. that, uh, that really rankled with a lot of, uh, a lot of people in management. Yeah, um, we're getting some stout defence of Generation Y. We are hardworking. Mark obviously hasn't seen the real Gen Y. We just have better time management skills. Well, certainly they're in a, a generation where time management uh, is spoken of uh, and multi multitasking. multitasking. Multi yes, uh, no, well, they're certainly, they're certainly very um, um, ad adept at uh, managing their time, managing tasks, using technology, uh, a very uh, lateral thinking generation, um, un unconstrained in their thinking. Um, and, and again, that makes them very different to uh, preceding generations. And again, I think that that leads to some of the, uh, the misunderstandings between, say, the baby boomers, Gen Xs and the Gen Y. Are these things ever going to be reconciled or is it just what we like doing? I think we always enjoy. We do. That, my, music's better than, my music's better than your music. There's nothing good on television these days. That's not funny. This is funny. Uh, but I think, I think the same thing applied to baby boomers in the late 1960s. Uh, when they were the uh, the young radicals who wouldn't put in a hard day's work or whatever, yeah. in due course they did change. Middle age gets you eventually, <laughs> and that's and that's the great comforting <laughs> and disturbing right. thing in all this, Bernard. Adrian, hello. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, my brother was twenty years older than me, and he thought that um, you know we were a gifted generation, we're spoiled rotten, and born with a spoon in our mouth. But I, I look at the generation today. I think they're actually a lot smarter and clever than we give them credit for. They've, they've grown up in, a, in an era where you've got to go into manufacturing and then they've seen jobs moved offshore. So then they've had to go into training to do computers and stuff like that. So that now goes offshore. So they're very, very well aware that there is no such thing as a job for life or loyalty from companies. So they're getting out there and getting what they can out of life and then moving on. I think they're very clever. Well, very flexible, um, and the, 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 the flexible or the agility they need to, I think they need to display, uh, certainly during the downturn, uh, is uh, commitment, commitment to their employer mm. uh, in order to uh, build that relationship. It is strong relationships that will, uh, that will enable you to navigate the downturn. I'm a 38-year-old doing an apprenticeship and I spend time with Generation Y. I have faith in our future. I think with every generation, it comes back to their upbringing. Uh, we've been advised not to make too many generalisations about any of us. 
Um, but I, I, I think, is it, is it just a matter of evolution too? Well, it's evolution and um, so will the wheel turns. Uh, in uh, 30 years' time, no doubt there will be middle-aged generation-wise pontificating about the youth of today. When does Zed arrive? Well, I think Zed's already here. I, I, Zed's are the Gee, children. they're annoying. <laughs> they are, no, Zed's are the children of Generation X and uh, so under the age of 15. It really takes a while for the characteristics of a generation to, uh, to become uh, apparent. Mind you, the circumstances by which Z will mature to adulthood will be very different. We won't have another 18-year bull run, if mm. you like. So that you could argue that Zeds will be a little more measured, a little more tempered, if you like, experience life's ups and downs by the time they get into the workforce. Now we've been philosophical about who we are and what we want to be. Have you got your message for the aliens yet? The message for the ad, well, we come in peace, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> well, that's a very nice way of putting it. We have lots. Here we go. Uh, Peter, I like Peter. He's a pragmatic fellow. Please don't eat us. Uh, <laughs> um, from Fingers, don't follow us. We're lost too. Brian says, hi, having a nice time. Wish you were here. No. I like Ashley's. Next planet, please. This one is full. Uh, send a cooey and wait for an echoed reply. Uh, Gary says, to the aliens, stay put. We're sending Rudd and Wong back to you. We don't understand them here, and they're better off on their home planet. Duncan says, where the bloody hell are you? Monty says, let's hope there's intelligent life on your planet, because there's bugger all down here on Earth. Uh, there are lots more coming in, and I want to read many more before we get to midday. One double nine double two seven twenty. What is your message to our alien friends? Bernard, it's been a, a great pleasure as ever, having you in the studio. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Jeff. Bernard Salt, we call him a social demographer, but really uh, he's a man who looks very closely into our lives, who we are, what we like, where we're heading, and who we might be next.